freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Tour Championships. It's storylines, it's best bet, it's one and done. And joining me to break it all down, the coach is here. Coach, welcome. Let me make it very clear. Per the commissioner, the jeweler, right, that right you call game. anything other than the coach, that is grounds for immediate expulsion from this show. So tread lightly. What do other what do people call you otherwise? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just saying, I want to make this a blanket statement across the world of golf. You got to call me by my own name. That's it. Oh, got it. All right. I'm following along now. That's Mark Immelman. We'll get to that, Coach. That's Mark Immelman, Mark. Uh, it took me a minute, but I, I saw where he was going with that one. Not even commissioner, Coach, now that you're about you, you bestowing this role upon yourself? Huh? I am. I, I am. And you're going to love it. I've already, I've already circulated the one and done to a couple people. They love it, and we're going to get to that today. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Okay, well, I'm not clearly not on that circulation list because I don't know if you guys, Rick and Carl, have seen this just yet, or is this his boys? You know, that's I, I just uh, got it five minutes ago. Okay, well, I haven't. <laughs> we did a show before this one, that's why. Okay, I get you. <laughs> Kyle Porter is here, KP. Here we go. Four more rounds of the super season, and then you get to put your feet up for a week. What? How are you going to spend your? How are you going to spend your week? Uh, probably just buying Ryder Cup gear online, getting ready for whistling straights. You buying Euro gear or American gear? I don't know. I, <laughs> I always threaten to root for the Euro team because they're way more likable. And just if you've ever been in a, like an interview room with the European team, like at the Ryder Cup, you walk away and think that's that's it like that's how it should be done right there like they get it they understand it and you go in the american room and it's like well this guy hates this guy it's like a it's like jerry springer uh, on the on the day on the podium it's unbelievable although it's, although although jordan spieth had probably one of the best moments in the american interview room when he gave it the i see we were shaking that ass you remember that, that? was uh <laughs> yeah. that was president's cup though right yeah. that was at that was uh, liberty liberty national there we go see woo shaking that ass shaking that ass, shaking that ass. <laughs> it's pretty good by the way I, one question real quick before we get going uh how did the coach not going to call you. We, we could call Mark Trevor, I guess, and that he, we would get ejected from the podcast. But how did the coach finish last and become the commissioner because of it in our one and done? Let me be very clear on that, KP. I started <laughs> four months behind everybody and I only had a million dollars. I had no shot of winning. You had everybody you, to play, brother. And you far behind. I promise you, 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 before you complain about me being the commissioner, I want you to hear the rules. You'll be like, you know what? He gets it. Just like the European Ryder Cup room, I get it as the commissioner. Honestly, like, you deserve to be disqualified from the competition after you pick Sepp Straka in the third week. It was more of a hostile takeover if our coach became commissioner of this. I figured out that it's the guy who's the loudest that eventually gets like the decorations and the stuff and the shoulders and stuff. So clearly the coach is loudest. The stuff on the shoulders? You know, like the general, you you get the the decorations on the cardboard on the shoulder. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
Carrie, KP, you, you, you derailed my setup here, but here's how I'm going to spend my week off. <laughs> okay. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to be by the pool and I'm going to have an Arnold Palmer spiked in hand because it is, it is the classic combination of iced tea and lemonade. Maybe even while I'm on the golf course, maybe one, two, three, who knows, whatever it takes, gentlemen. That's how many Arnold Palmer spikes I will be consuming on my week off. And then, of course, for the subsequent 52 weeks of the year, obviously more on AP, Arnold Palmer spiked later. We have a KP. We got an AP. It's like a thing we got going on. Storylines. Uh, kind of an interesting one. Kind of an interesting one this morning here. And coach, you let us off with this right out of the gate. So let's just get right to it. Uh, Jay Monahan, I guess, had a little bit of a press conference today and addressed the ongoing situation with Bryson DeChambeau and fans calling out, hey, Brooks, hey, like that. <laughs> and apparently now uh, the tour is going to start using that as an opportunity to eject fans because it is it has become disruptive to play. There's a lot of play people that are at fault here. I mean, it's it's like there's there's nobody you can say, yep, they did the right thing here. This could have been very very easy if three months ago or whenever this started four months ago, Bryson's team would have said, Bryson, go in front of a camera and say it's no big deal. I don't care what Brooks does; it doesn't get to me. We've never seen one interview, not one, guys, of Bryson saying, ah, it's not a big deal. Like it, and he wants to be beloved so badly. He wants to be the baby face of the PGA Tour, yet he's the heel. you got to have a good baby face and a good heel. He's a great heel. I would tell Bryson, embrace being a heel. But where it's got to now is that the commissioner and the tour have said it's bad. And it got really bad on Sunday, despite the fact it may have been the best show of golf we've ever seen when it comes to two guys and how they finished. And now it's a very, very slippery slope. Because now are you going to do it to other guys? If other guys yell something at another guy, is it just going to be the Bryson rule? To me, this is a very, very slippery slope that could have been nipped in the bud if Bryson's team would have said, kill it. Just kill it. And that's where I place the blame is on Bryson's team and the fact that he didn't get it done three or four months ago, and now it's let it fester, and now it's festering to the point where the commissioner has to step in. Mark, you're out there on a regular basis. You were out there when there were no fans. You are out there as the fans are coming back. The enforcement of this, I, I think, is going to be fascinating because I'm not sure exactly how you enforce this. I'm not sure if there are uh, law enforcement that when they hear something are grabbing people or if Bryson has to point somebody out specifically. or like I, I don't know how this goes. What do you envision with this, knowing how the crowds move? There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people yelling a lot of different things. It, it's, it seems like an enforcement headache. Uh, not really, because just about all of the PGA Tour's blue chippers have at least two security people with them. There, there'll be an, an, a, a, a police person in uniform, um, and then you'll have the PGA Tour security staff, and they are always basically shadowing the groups that are going to have you know big galleries. The the Tiger especially, he, he, Tiger will have his own security detail, and then the tours, and then the police folks present, and then. You know, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, they, they've, they've all got security that travels along with them. And these folks, they there's someone always walking right inside of the rope line. That's the armed police officer. And he or she is sort of there to keep the peace a little bit. You've got the PGA tourist staff who drive around in carts right outside the rope line. And if someone's unruly, they typically get taken care of before the player even says something. 
Um, and when I say unruly, that's more like drunken disorderly than anything else. Um, but this whole Brooks, the, uh, Brooks Bryson thing, I'm glad coach said what he did because this could have been nipped in the bud a long, long time ago. My question through it all, because remember this always, it's a membership organization. So Commissioner Monaghan's protecting his members with the enforcement of this rule. That's his job. But here's the thing. If we're serious about this player impact program, and this is getting as much traction as what we think it is, Brasson and Brooks, Brasson especially, Tiger aside, should be absolutely killing it in the player impact program because that's all folks are talking about. You turn on social media and it's Brasson this, Brasson that. You know, every article that's being written, not every, the large majority of them, when Brasson's a factor in event, which is regularly, there's something said about Brasson. So I'm keen to see what that um, algorithm, whatever it is, is now adding up. And I'm keen to see the results of all of this, at the end of all of this, because I think what began as a tiff, this stuff happens because you've got testosterone-laden, ego-driven multimillionaires who are trying to beat each other. Then you have a little bit of a head, head bumping. This is normal in the locker room. Then that perpetuates itself. Then people suddenly realize, hold on, my sponsors like Michelob can get a whole lot out of this if I give away a few cases of beer. And so then they start to work this, and then this thing starts to snowball. So I'm keen now to see what the actual end game is. Commissioner Monahan's just gone, okay, easy, Tiger. But, but I'm keen to see where we're going to be in the rankings at the end of it all. I've got there's, – there's a lot to unwrap here. First off, it's not cases of Michelob markets, cases of Arnold Palmer spike. That's the that – uh, well, okay. that's <laughs> what would smooth this all over. Uh, KP, I think one of the fascinating things – okay, so, so you hear all sorts of arguments – about this is it bullying oh these guys are so soft uh what about other sports golf is not like other sports right i i mean i think that is clear uh in in no other sport do they ask you to be silent maybe i guess in tennis uh in in few other sports are you able to get as close to the players as you can in golf this this really is kind of its own own beast out there it is. And I kind of try to make that point on Twitter today of saying, like, imagine Roger Goodell holding a press conference saying that if you call Patrick Mahomes Aaron or Russell or Dak or whatever, at any point during a Chiefs game, you get you get thrown, you get ejected from the game. That would be we would it would be like it, we would wonder if it was a parody. Right. And 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 that that is not people took it like oh you're you're comparing apples and oranges well i wasn't comparing anything i was actually contrasting the two sports and 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 showing how different golf is than baseball or basketball or or football and i, I just hold it's, it's a ridiculous situation we're talking about ejecting fans from an event because they're calling this guy by the wrong name even though I think that's like the right move from, from Monaghan. I think he's right about it, but it's, it's such a, like, if, if you, if you can if you like step back and say like literally what's actually happening, it sounds absurd, right? It sounds just like this insane thing. But I, I think that he, I, I think that, I think it was, I think it was the right call. And I think that I actually disagree with coach about Bryson did say at Memorial, um, I'm flattered by this. Um, I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me. But his his misstep, his problem, and I think this is 
where coach and I probably agree is that he said that. And then he also was having people thrown out of the tournament. Right. And so, and so you're, 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 you're getting, you're like, Oh, well, which one is it? And people see through that people like people that follow golf or or any, they're not idiots for, I mean, there's some idiots, but the people that are like tuned into this stuff are not morons thinking like, Oh, like, like Bryson had something to do with those people getting ejected. So he's saying one thing and doing another. And I think that is kind of people's problem with Bryson is that he says one thing and does another. And, and it just, the whole thing feels disingenuous, not just with this, but with a lot of different things that, that he kind of involves himself with. So I think to me, that is, that's the issue here. And, and again, I always go back to this and feel free to disagree. Cause I think there's an argument to be made on the other side. I always go back to, like, has Bryson ever shown humility? Has Bryson ever said, man, I, sh- I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. That was wrong. Even the thing at the at the Open Championship with his my driver sucks. He never really said, like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, that was, that was my bad. I'm sorry for that. He never shows any, like, like, if he came out and was like, you know, I said the Brooks thing didn't bother me, the Brooksy thing. It actually does. And I'm really trying to mature to the point where I, I can get over that and move past that. It would be really bad for him in the short term. But I think in the long term, people would respect that because that's a very human thing. Right. So I don't know. I have a ton of thoughts on it. Those are some of them. And yeah, I think I think that I think the Monahan, I mean, the Ryder Cup, I, I think this like kind of comes to a head maybe at the Ryder. I'm glad the Ryder Cup's not in Europe this year. I mean, what would that be like for him? It, it would be it would be insane. So I don't know. That's a ton of thoughts that I'm just kind of throwing out there. What Captain Stricker should do is put them together so someone can shout Brooksy and it might just be at Brooksy and it <laughs> that, that would work out pretty well. Um, Kyle, you nailed it there. I think the disingenuous is a great descriptor. And just to sort of build on that a little bit, from the word go, I mentioned that I thought this was sort of playground it was infantile a little bit but then i started to think maybe there's you know a little extra something to this maybe there's trying to you know garner twitter social media whatever it is interest but it has gotten to a place where people just need to grow up and go all right this thing's done now but the problem is you know you don't get the toothpaste back in the tube I don't care if commissioner monahan says all right you're going to get tossed if you call bryson brooksy or vice versa you, you, you even though you've got security and such, the fans have now bought in. The fans have T-shirts for Pete sake, Rick. And so now they're, they're in their camps, you know, and and just Rick's like... That's the problem. Don't, yeah, play, just, don't drag me into this. Like this Auburn, Georgia or Ohio State, Michigan. This is going to go on for a long while. I, I, I think this thing, we haven't seen in the end of it in who, my opinion. Who, uh, Mark, who do you think has the most power to end it? Because I think we're all sick of talking about it. We all want to see it end. Who can end it? Both of them together in the Ryder Cup uniform, getting up there together in front of the media, or not even in the press conference in a contrived situation at the flash area. You know what that's like over there. People in the scrum everywhere, just going, standing next to each other going, guys, this is past us now. Let's put this to bed. Let's get behind the red, white, and blue. Because then you're bringing in something bigger than all of us in representing your country. Well, you take it away from the individual and you make it more you know, the unified goal. That's my opinion. I, and I think you're onto something. And something uh, KP said um, hit hit me, really kind of struck me about 
Bryce's humility because coming from the world of professional wrestling, like I did in my twenties, uh, and I mentioned babyface and heels, the one thing you want more than anything, and I believe Bryson is this guy, is that the more popular you are, the more money you make, and the more longevity you have in your career. I believe he is so uh, inspired by attention, and he loves the attention so much. Just look at the first tee on Sunday when he had his caddy pull the iron out of the bag put it back in, grab the driver, just so he could go, yeah, yeah, because he loves it because his ego is so big. But with that, you cannot then walk off the course when you're making millions of dollars. You just played one of the greatest events of all time and then get into it yet again with a fan who calls you by name. I've told this to kids all the time when I speak to high schools and colleges. If somebody is razzing you, that means they care. If somebody is razzing you, that means deep down they really like you. And in this instance, I think people want to be like Bryson. I think people want to do what Bryson can do, but they cannot. And if Bryson thinks like that, then I think it changes everything. And also get some good people in your camp that gives you advice, and they're not yes men. Get the yeah. yes men. And then get the people in and say, listen, Bryson, grow up. You can be the number one attraction in all of golf. You can be. But you've got to change how you address things and how your ego works. He's the number two attraction. Let's yes, be honest. Um, Tiger is always going to be one. But but it's I mean we are. I've been texting with some people on this. Like we are one incident away from just a complete meltdown. Like it's not. It's not. I I, I agree with Mark. Like he is like other than Tiger. Like he's. I mean the the view like the views that we get this podcast anything that I write. It's like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. But it it's not, it's kind of like a car wreck, right? It's it's not like, oh, this is amazing. It's oh, I just need to see what happened. And that's just I, I don't know how sustainable that is in the long term. I want to hear your opinion, Rick. So uh, the the idea that this is still going on is kind of um, surprising. I, I just don't know what the end game is anymore. I, I thought the end game was naturally to pair them together at Torrey Pines under the cover of here are our last three U.S. Open champions. Everybody kind of, you know, they play two rounds together. Nothing happens on the course and everybody just has a good laugh. And that's your natural ending point. And, and there, there's never been a conclusion to this. And the problem is Brooks does. Ha Brooks has no incentive. Producer Jacob's absolutely right. Brooks has no incentive to or motivation to end this. Like, wh why would he come out and say anything? Uh, I just don't think he wants to. I think that um, the tour has to do something. I think they have to start ejecting people. But I, I think that this has been uh, screwed up by everybody every step of the way. I, I want I want to feel bad for Bryson. But he, he makes it like because I think a lot of it is kind of crappy. It's kind of nonsense. Okay. Most of it. He makes it very difficult for you to feel bad for him. Just in the way he like he now he won't even talk to the media. It's like man, like when you go out for five years and act like, hey, I'm smarter than everybody, and now I'm bigger than everybody, and now I'm longer than everybody, and I'm gonna kind of insinuate that and talk about UFOs when I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like th this is kind of what you're reaping on the other side of it, whenever, you know, when, when people kind of start chirping back at you. So I, again, like I want to feel bad for him. Cause I think a lot of it sucks and there's a lot of sadness in there, 
but he makes it really, really hard to have that emotion just based on the way he talks and acts and carries himself. That's a very good point. And Rick, I just wanted to quickly add my take to what you said about Brooks' motivation to end this thing. Look, let's be honest. If you compare resumes, he's got the bigger, more illustrious resume. But right now, Bryson is the thing. And Brooks knows this. So as long as Brooks, not to say he's going to grab onto his coattails because he's certainly not Jacob and Esau kind of thing, but but he, he's involved now and this is keeping him relevant because it's hardly like he's knocked the door, kicked the door down when he's been in PGA Tour events. So, so I think right now, it, I don't think there's any motivation to end it. But again, I, I want to just pivot back to what I said. There's a whole lot of motivation to end this thing if you want the United States to win the Ryder Cup because the two of them, they'll see five matches. I'd be surprised if they didn't. It's it's a shame, Coach, because we are now headed towards event 50 of 50. 50 events in the super season. There is ungodly amounts of money on the line at the tour championship, $46 million in bonuses to, to be exact. We've had six major championships this season. It's been a great year. We spent 20 minutes talking about Bryson and Brooks and yelling out, yelling out Brooksy. I mean, this is, this is, this should be celebrated as kind of the conclusion to what was a really great season. And this is what I tell people when they say that, that Bryson is not good for golf. People need to understand, and I've been on every side of the fence. I've been in the entertainment world. I've been at ESPN for a long time, and now I'm here at CBS and, and part of the PJ Tour. And whatever you can do to get eyeballs on your sport at a time when there is so much money to be had and live events are everything, well, this is good for the sport, the attention, not necessarily where it's gone to. But the fact that two guys are being talked about on MSNBC and Fox and all these different things. But here's also a very telling point, guys. We all know Bryce is going to go to the long drive event in Mesquite, Nevada. I got a call the other day asking if I want to be involved in it. They don't even have a broadcast partner for that event. And Bryson is the guy. And yet they can't get anybody to come in and say, yeah, we'll broadcast it. I said, so what do you plan on doing? Oh, we're going to do IG Lives. IG Lives with Bryson in Mesquite? A seven-day event? So that shows the, the the difference in, yes, he's very, very popular, but does anybody want to put their bread and butter and money behind him when he is the star of the show and there's nobody else there that you know other than Kyle Berkshire? So it's all good for the game, but yes, heading into this week, we should have more focus on what happened Sunday night, which in my opinion, the greatest finish we've ever seen in golf. And I don't think it's close. That's yeah. what we should be talking about. Well, let's talk about it then. Did, hold on. Did I hear... I'd like to bet some Arnold Palmer spiked, I think, on oh. on something on something that Mark said. Okay. Oh. Did I oh. I might I might have misheard it, but did you say that Bryson and Brooks will each play five times at Whistling Straits? Yeah. No chance. All right, I'll bet you. You you already so far in the hole to me. <laughs> I'm not in the hole at all. I, my hole doesn't. My hole isn't dug until for nine more years. <laughs> no, I thought you'd offer to get out of the first bet. Are you hanging in there? Oh no, I'm in. I know. Uh, yeah, I stayed in. Yeah, I think bad. yeah, I, I think there's both C five matches. So, so if they play, got that knee. What you say? The knee. Brooks has that knee. The knee. Yeah, but Bryson. Brooks, I don't think Bryson is playable. Okay. Yeah, let, let, let me put it to you this way. Brooks has that thing about him, where look with the Euros, it's a little different because they relish the role of taking down 
the cornerstone of the Americans team. You know, when it was Tiger, the, the team room was like, whoever's got him, you do this. And you essentially, that is, you've cut off Samson's hair. Uh, and, and so it's, it's the role. If, if you get the guy and you take him down, that cripples this behemoth. Because every year or every two years, the American team, that's what they are. It's like the giant. So you knock over the giant and you've got them on the ropes. So every Euro gets up for that. But when Brooks gets on the tee, he's that one guy that's got a little something about him, the way he carries himself, the way he looks at you, the way he doesn't talk to you if he doesn't like you, all this sort of stuff, where he will get in your head very fast. Bryson, too, in America, is going to have so much fanfare around him that I think the Europeans, even though they will be so well prepared, that'll be a lot to deal with. Because remember, a lot of the Ryder Cup now is where you play it. And... I've seen pictures already on social media that first T stadium is just getting bigger and bigger every two years. And so you you put Bryson and those boys up on the T, even though the fans will want to shout Brooksy on, on him, Bryson will be up in the stands like he did at uh, Hazeltine and it's going to be bananas. So I, I just, I think Brooks has that edge about him and Bryson, let's be real. I mean, I've, I've critiqued him. I'll be honest. And I'll say that to his face. But the guy is a heck of a golfer. And the way he's playing, he, I, if, I would, if I was the captain, I'd be remiss if I didn't play him five times because even when he plays poorly, he's shooting something under par and he's a really tough out because of the way he plays the game. I think he's difficult to, to pair. I think, I think I, it's let tough. Let me put you this way as a former player, right? I, I, I need to look harder into the golf course and the way the holes shake out for alternate shot and best ball. But better ball, he play, play, should play every match. The alternate shot, let me tell you something. I would love to hit wedges off the end of every single Brass and DeChambeau drive. I would shoot nothing. <laughs> right? And, and, and so, so if you put him with someone who's kind of even keel a little bit, who can deal with Brass and some, my Tiger loves him. You know, not, not the Tiger's playing, but that's the thing. I, I think there could be matches made in heaven here. I, I think there's a lot to be learned. But yeah, you might think he's unplayable because of the way he acts. But jeez, I mean, hitting off the end of his drives, jeez, I think my left arm to do that. I think part of my point is that nobody really plays five matches. I mean, there's like two guys on each side, and I don't think it's going to be. I mean, Brooks won what two majors in 2018, and he didn't play five matches. I, I just, I, I think it's. Maybe you get that out of JT. Um, maybe you get it out of Brooks and Bryson. I, I just don't know that both of them will will uh, will play five. So what's Arnold hurting, Palmer's? What's hurting what? my bet is if if the US get off to a quick start, I don't think they play all five. That's if the so. US get off to a slow start, I think you'll see there you'll see them lining up. You'll 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 see Murder Rose Row coming out. You, you won't be putting you know guys whose games are iffy. And remember this: it's also very much dependent on who's playing well on the week. We can sit and opine about everything. Week of the Ryder Cup, who's playing well, who's hitting it well, who's making putts. Those are the folks that see action. So it sounds like, let me clarify, if Bryson and Brooks each play five matches, uh, Mark will be the brand new owner of a case of Arnold Palmer spiked via Kyle Porter. Anything else, it's the opposite. Is that an accurate statement, gentlemen? I'll give that bet because I've got some really expensive 
luscious wine coming to me in like 10 years time or they, they just barreled it by the way they <laughs> okay. just, they're just now barreling right, that, it that stuff's been in barrels since 1940 already bro uh -uh. wow that's i'm i'm not gonna have any money left after that happens so. lock it up lock it up ap spiked on the line the Ryder cup stuff is is the implications this week coach are massive you know there are in my opinion five or six guys who can win the tour championship but there is a lot more on the line with all of the money and all of um, you know, like Daniel Berger specifically, let's be real. Daniel Berger's chances of making this Ryder cup team got worse when Tony Finau won. And when Patrick Cantlay won, because Cantlay solidified his spot as, as a qualifier, as an automatic bid. And there's no way Tony Finau is being left off this team now. So now you've got Daniel Berger looking around thinking, um, well, I got four more rounds for you, captain Stricker. I better do something to, to, to show you. I should be on this team. I, I, I have, I don't know what Steve Stricker is going to do, but what I do love is the fact that they changed the rules so that the captain has more say over who makes the team. Because I think part of the problem that we had before when there was very limited captain's picks is that a lot of guys that weren't playing good, like that 7, 8, 9, 10, they would make it in even if they hadn't played good since February or March, and that was an issue. Now we don't have that issue because the top six guys are playing pretty good, and the next two or three are playing pretty good. So I think, and I said this before, that Steve Stricker has to look at certain guys differently than he's ever looked at them before because the United States always does the same thing. They always bring the same guys that the, the credibility because of their, their history and what they've done on the PGA tour. You can't do that anymore. You've got to shake it up. They've lost too many times in the last 15 years to say, yeah, let's do it again. Yes. That guy deserves it. Cause I think they don't want to have those difficult conversations with a player that they see every single week that they've seen for years and years and years. Is Steve Stricker that guy? Mark says that he is. Mark responded a couple weeks ago, yeah, he can make the difficult decisions. So we'll see. But if that's the case, Daniel Berger has swag, confidence, ego to match anybody on that team. But we'll see what Steve Stricker decides to go with, name value or playing. Two things. Uh, yes, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Daniel Berger, I rate him highly. The boy's got all sorts of grit about him. He's like the junkyard dog. He, he is all up for the head-to-head -head match, which would make him a great match player and he's going to wear you down a little bit but he has the last run the form coming in here has waned a little bit because if we had made this decision six months or so ago he was one of the leading players in the world after a couple of quick wins at colonial and at pebble beach and then here at east lake he's played this thing four times if memory serves and his best has been like 12th and rest of it has been around the middle of the field so it's hardly like he's worn east lake out which is surprising to me because he plays golf in the South, but we play on Zoysia at East Lake with these champions, Bermuda greens. And he just hasn't worked the place out. Maybe it's the, the way the golf course sets up. So he's going to need a big week. I think to, to really galvanize his position. AP, hey, I'm looking at uh, the team here, the potential team. Here's the qualified guys. Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson. Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Cantlay. Thank you to the victory at the BMW Championship. According to you, here are the likely in-members. Berger, Spieth, Finau, Xander Shoffley, Harris English. That leaves one spot for, if this was like March Madness, this would be like your last last guy in, right? Last man yep. in. Yep. Here are the candidates. Uh, Webb Simpson, Phil Mickelson. Eh, neither of them are playing this week. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, or Patrick Reed, who is in route 
to Eastlake days after being released from the hospital. He's tweeting out, I'm headed there, baby. Let's go. He's playing. Those are your candidates. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I wasn't allowed to view that tweet, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> did Gary play a block you? <laughs> yeah, he probably did too. I so a couple of things. I think that by the way, Berger finished top ten at the U.S. Open, Open Championship, and. Uh, St. Jude. So he's been. Yeah, but what's he done in the thus far in the playoffs? At the playoffs, I. I playoffs. Like, it's current form, Kyle. You you got to play well leading into these events. That's how it is. Because remember, a few years ago, the complaint and the knock on the American team was they were selecting the team too early. Remember that, and then they knocked the date back for the captain selections to see who was playing well closer to the event, which I think is crucial because this thing ebbs and flows. Three, yeah, weeks the, the, ago, the, three weeks ago, you were calling John Rahm Messiah. John Rahm is still great, <laughs> but, but it, you know, things have just kind of leveled off a little bit. So, so yeah, the, the, the last, yes, he's been great through the summer, but the last couple of weeks, it just hasn't been as sharp. Burger? Yeah. Well, but then, but then it becomes a thing where you're just picking guys based on how they played in the playoffs, which you can't do that. Right, yeah, but it's, mean, current, again, it's current form. <laughs> I, I, I heard Tony. Yes, you, you picked the team of the automatics, but I heard Tony Finau and they'll all say, look, when it comes right down to it at the Ryder Cup, it's who makes putts and who's playing well on the week. And you might be in fantastic form leading up there. And then you show up there and you get the swing niggle that happens. And all of a sudden you don't see any action. This is just part of golf. This is what makes golf to call to, to your point of view, the normal sport, right? Because anything else, you know, you go up there, you line up with 11 teammates, 10 teammates, whatever, they can pick you up. But if you're on your own and you can't find the broadside of a barn for some reason, you're not going to get played. It's just how it runs. Well, but wait, are you arguing like, now it feels like you're arguing not current form. You're arguing like, no, who's, no, no. Who... I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes, Berger was, I'm on board with him, but the last couple of weeks he hasn't been there. So the trend is marginally downward right now. You can say, ah, oh, it's playoffs, whatever the case might be. I'm looking at him from a playing point of a view and the level he was playing at is not as sharp right now. That's the only observation I'm making. I, again, I've always said through all of these conversations, I'm not picking, you know, I, I don't know. Settle this, coach. Settle it. So we've got, we've got. Wait, I haven't, I haven't even gone yet. <laughs> go, so, go ahead. So those eleven, I think, are in, regardless of what any of us think. Correct. And then, I, I think honestly, like I said this on Twitter today, I think, I think they might take Reed, which would just be a, a joke. Um, it would be, it would be a joke. I think, I think if he is, I think if, (laughs) thank you. He's lost at least 10 to 15 pounds. Look at (laughs) that. He does look better. Yep. At least. I think that he, I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt and I don't think he deserves it, but I think, I think that he'll get it. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would be okay with. Like I, I, I think I'm okay with Scheffler, Burns, or Webb, depending on what you're going for. I think you, you, 
I don't know how you do that if you're if you're Steve Stricker. I don't know if you go to JT and Spieth and say, listen, chips are down. It's tied on Sunday. Who do you guys want out there? If it comes down to that, maybe they say Phil. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what they would say. I I don't think Phil is pickable, but I I would be okay. Like if they picked Burns, Scheffler, or Webb, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I think I think Reed being on there would be just so problematic. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would probably take, I think, I, I think Scheffler just because the, the numbers are better, but I wouldn't like, if you made a decent argument for Burns or Webb, I would be fine with either of them also. I would take Sam Burns. I wouldn't even blink twice at it. This is going to be the, the decision that I was talking about earlier in the show for Steve Stricker. If he picks Patrick Reed, and how many times have we heard guys still every every couple of years or or even every year, whether it's pet, uh, President's Cup or or uh, Ryder Cup, they go, well, he has no he has no experience, so you can't pick him. How do you get experience if somebody doesn't take a chance on you playing? So if somebody said Sam Burns next week, they go, oh, he has no experience. How's he supposed to get it if he doesn't get picked? So at some point, you've got to say, am I going to give a young cat? who just finished eighth at the BMW, and who knows what he's going to finish this week. But Sam Burns is playing great golf. And if we're going to go with Mark's argument, and I kind of tend to lean towards that on how guys are playing right now, Scheffler's not playing that good. Sam Burns is playing that good. To me, it's very, very clear. And this, this very important decision will tell me what Steve Stricker is thinking about and whether he truly wants to change the game of the Ryder Cup or keep it status quo. And status quo isn't good enough. I think I, I real quick, I think all those guys are in the range where it's like you can kind of ask yourself, hey, who do I want out there if it's tied and there's one match on the course? I, I don't I think Webb, Scheffler, and Burns are all in that circle of like you're not stepping way outside of the guys that it's not like you're taking somebody that's like 30th or whatever and saying, Well, if the chips are down, that's how like the, the guys who have been playing, like they're all guys that have been playing well enough that I think you could just pick any one of them uh, based on a different set of criteria, whether that's who the leaders of the team want or who uh, you want out there last on a Sunday or whatever. And, and I think it would be okay. Rick, if, if I, it's well documented, I've been on the read train for a while here. And if it's all on the line on Sunday afternoon of that group of players with respect to the rest of them, I would go with Patrick Reed. Let's not forget that this guy also jumped on a plane and to fly to Japan just to represent his country. That's how into it he is. But here's the thing: I feel like, and what I'm about to say, if you gave it two dollars, you still wouldn't get a cup of coffee at Starbucks because my opinion means very little. Okay, but I think Reed has the front seat right now. I think if Scheffler has a big event, I think Scheffler has the chance to unseat him. Sam Burns is a sexy selection. Trust me, I wa I've watched this kid play. It'll blow your hair back. But he just still has a little bit of going to go. He will get baptized by fire. I mean, I've been at a Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles, mate, where Webb Simpson, U.S. Open champion, skied a tee shot off the first because he was so nervous. Because this is just different. And Sam Burns, is, he's closed one time at Valspar, which is very impressive. But he's also fallen over at the final hurdle a little bit. I think he will be a long-time Ryder Cupper, just not this go-around. I think it would be great to baptize him some, but look, let's be honest. The Americans have to win. 
it's, it's almost like the international. But Mark, but, all right, but Mark, let me stop you right there. If they have to win, why would you do the same thing they've been doing that they've been getting killed the last few times? Well, I would argue I'm that Reed or Scheffler is, is that what, what I was about, what I was trying to get to. Would you take Burns over Berger? Me? Yeah. I don't think so. I just, I just think the way Berger plays, the way he puts, the way he pairs off with players, he's well liked in the locker room. There's, there's a whole bunch of check marks in his ledger that I think are worthwhile. But Burns is playing better in the playoffs. Isn't that the argument that you just made? Yes, absolutely. But uh, you, you're reaching a long way down the list to go and find Sam Burns. What's he currently? W- w- where's he ranked? In the Ryder Cup? Yeah. Uh, 15 or 16, I believe. 15. So you, you're overlooking number 12 to go and find someone at 15 or 16? That is a long reach. That 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 really really is. That's well, why like three I, apart. Well, it's not that. It's not that long. Look at who you're overlooking. You're stepping over Webb Simpson. You're going over all of these other folks too. It's like it's like Kisner and Mickelson argument. I found sort of comical because you're telling me you're going to go and find someone from twenty something on the list to pick him over eight other guys. What a way to engender yourself to future Ryder Cuppers as a captain. So I don't last, think they last should. Thing, KP. Yeah, sorry. I, we, do we have two hours? I don't think they should. <laughs> Here's a take. I don't think they should use the Ryder Cup ranking uh, ranking system for anything other than the automatic picks. I don't don't. Why are you using the the Ryder Cup ranking system for your captain selections? It's not a it's not a it doesn't. I, I don't think it gets at what you're trying to get at, which I agree with Mark is like good form over the last however many weeks or months. And then guys that that you have a lot of confidence in the, the the Ryder Cup ranking system does it might do that, but it doesn't necessarily do it based on the way that it's set up. So if Stricker's just looking at that to make his selections, I don't I don't think that's a very good way to do it. There is there is only one pick uh, that has the the pairability everything going for it, and it's Arnold Palmer, <laughs> which is. I mean, come on. Is there anything better? Coach, na- names, name a better combination better than lemonade and iced tea. Well, there isn't. There isn't one. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about drinks or food or, or athletes. There's not a and better. Yeah, there's nothing better than that. There is nothing better than Arnold Palmer spiked. The, here, here's what you got to do. Here's a little secret, guys. I know you go, you go out, you get your Arnold Palmer spiked. You get your cans. Maybe the 24-ounce can. Those are now available. Shake it first. That's that's the key. You shake it. It's not carbonated, so you're not worried about it spraying in your face or anything like that. Makes the perfect mix of iced tea and lemonade. I drink them on the golf course, sometimes a little bit too early. What's too early, KP, to be drinking on the golf course? What what time? Oh, gosh. Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm ahead of the time. Here. If you're earlier than Pat Perez, that's too early. Okay. How about that? Hey, Rick, this, I've seen that golf swing of yours, buddy. It needs as much swing oil as you can get it. So I'd start quickly if I was you. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. You start like, like first fairway. Let's go. Don't waste too much time here. Let's get into the groove as quick as possible. I completely agree. That is my strategy on the course with Arnold Palmer Spike. I drink them off the course as well. And you can find them in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash first. That's arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash first. Or you can search for it on Drizzly and Instacart 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavors. Celebrate, celebrate responsibly. 
All right, gents. Uh, it's time for our betting contest. Final week, then we can wipe these clear and start losing money again next season. Although you, Kyle, okay, relax, yeah. relax. Yeah. I got you here, buddy. You're doing a great <laughs> job. <laughs> I'm just trying to drag us into the black. Just drag everybody else into the black. It's not. It's not working. Do you want to go first or do you want to go last? This is your. Uh, this is your, your I'll go. Your, I'll, your, go your, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. All right. Producer Jacob, please pull up uh, Kyle's betting card. And this is a strategy that he has taken on in uh, recent weeks for $25 wagers, with the majority of them being kind of your top five, top 10, top 20 situation. Now this week with only 30 golfers in the field, Kyle's focusing on top tens and top five. So let's start with these two. Scotty Scheffler to finish inside the top 10 at plus 230 and Daniel Berger to finish inside the top 10 at plus 350. And KP, I think we have to acknowledge this is with the starting strokes, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so so uh, Berger, I think, is even. Two on, is he even? even? Berger's yeah. even, yeah. And Scheffler's one under. Scheffler last year actually finished second on the shadow leaderboard here. Uh, played really, really well. I think Xander was the only person to beat him over, like, without the, without the strokes. And... Look, I mean, these are two guys, one, that are hitting the ball great. They're both top 10 over their last 20 rounds in terms of tee to green. And then they both have a lot to play for, as we just discussed, for like 30 minutes. So um, I think you're you're getting, I don't know, there might not be value there because of the, I, I don't, I think when I get that far down, I don't care about the, the strokes things as much. I, I just, it, it's like one or two here and there, which I, I get it, it matters at the end of the tournament, but I don't. I, I don't know. I, I I kind of ignored it for the most part um, because you can't. It's impossible to figure out. Well, who's gonna? Who's who are the guys that are gonna play well regardless of strokes? And then how many do they have? And there's just there's too many moving parts. I just wanted to pick guys that were hitting the ball well and and that I thought were gonna play well at Eastlake. And they're incredibly incentivized that far down the leaderboard to be making birdies in bunches. There's there's no strokes to protect, so at least they have incentive to move up the leaderboard. Your best bet is Justin Thomas to finish inside the top five. He is plus 230 to do so. He's going to start in a five-way tie for sixth at four under. Cam Smith is in fifth. He's at five under, so one shot off of that. And then you went with John Rahm to win. He will start. Four shots back of Patrick Cantlay at six under plus three fifty on Mr. Rom. Yep. Still the best player in the world. I uh, I've picked him every week on CBSports.com in the playoffs. He's finished what third and ninth, I think. Even though Mark was talking about how he fell off the fell off the planet earlier. Uh he's still just top ten every week. You're, You're on, on mute, mute Mark. <laughs> I want to point something out here. This, no, this let me is... unmute myself. Hold on, coach. No, okay. it's just this otherworldly plane that he was playing on. You know, it sounded like there was like heaven, Brahm, then the angels, and then the rest of us morbid humanity. That's what the numbers tell me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think Rom's getting tired. Uh, I think he's put on a little bit of baby fat uh, from having the baby or the wife having the baby. And uh, to, to look at the difference in number from Rom at six and Cam Smith at five, I don't know how you don't go with Cam Smith, and we'll get to my. But I mean, it's it's dramatic. We'll get to that number, but this number shows how great he has been because to play plus three fifty is crazy, but it's not that crazy when you look at how he how he plays. So 
No, I, I hear you. I, I, it's, it's, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's difficult and this is a bad way to do it. I understand, but it's difficult for me to envision him playing this well the whole season and only winning one time. Right. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, you're playing like, well, he, he's got to win more than once. Right. And he's getting strokes this week. So I don't know, Rick, real quick. I wanted to get your opinion on how far back you look on, because we, we kind of been talking about this, right? How far back do you go on some of the strokes gain stuff? Like, do you look at the last two months? Do you look at the last? Because I've been, I've been going, Data Golf has a great feature where you can look at the last 20 rounds that guys have played. And that seems to be a, a pretty decent indicator for, for the event at hand. But I'm, I'm curious about how far back you look on guys leading into a tournament. Uh, yeah, when I run it on my side, I usually do like 12 or 16 rounds because especially okay. now, because so uh, when you're in the middle of the season, 12 or 16 rounds, that might be, they could be a month in between that for some guys, right? It's three or four events. They're not playing every single week. Now, when these guys are playing every single week, uh, you can really kind of narrow that down a little bit. So I like the 12, 16, especially for guys who are hot. They should be playing well at the moment. That's generally what I go with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I think it's fair. Um, okay, just to recap, Justin Thomas, top five, plus 230. That is Kyle Porter's best bet for the Tour Championship. We're going to go to my card next. And, Coach, I want to bring you in on this because we had a great conversation about this earlier. The, the, the difference between – pay attention because you can bet – with starting strokes or without starting strokes, and they are uh, completely different animals this week. <laughs> um, Sportsbooks figured out last year that if they have two different sets of betting, you can get double the money bet. And so almost every sportsbook that you go to will have uh, bets with the strokes or bets without the strokes. So you have to be very, very careful because the one thing you don't want to do is tweet at any of us and go, what happened? Well, you'd bet without the strokes or you bet with the strokes. So, uh, but the numbers are dramatic depending on what you do. Yeah. So my, my card looks like this. I've done a mix of both. So, um, I took one matchup without the strokes. That's Xander Shoffley over Dustin Johnson. Uh, that is, we, we can talk all, all the time about Xander, but he has played 16 rounds at East leg. Mark, he has not lost strokes in a single round in his East Lake career. Never lost to the field, 16 rounds. Wow. Quick story, and then I'll give you my take. A few years ago, his first time at East Lake, I'm doing my preparation for the broadcast. I catch him on the 15th green, the island green there. He's hitting putts with Austin Kaiser, playing practice round by himself. I'm like, what do you think of the place? He goes, feels exactly like San Diego. He goes, the way the ball runs on the ground, all the rest of it, he goes, I feel like I'm home. And I was like, hmm, all of a sudden he finished the second. Then, you know, the guys had an illustrious career over there. And then I got together with our little back-end folks here and my little operation. And they're like, okay, who you got your eyes on this week? And I'm like, everyone's sleeping on Shoffley. I know the guy's tired. I know there's the aftermath of the gold medal and all this sort of stuff. But he's going to a place where he just feels comfortable. So I think Xander this week is a really good selection. All right, so I'll take Xander over Dustin Johnson without the strokes. Then I went with strokes. And KP, I have a very specific reason here for, for kind of fading Brooks Kepka. So I went with Sung JM over Brooks Kepka. And this feels to me, Brooks to me is a creature of motivation. And when he starts as far back as he is, I'm not sure how much motivation we're going to see. Sung JM is playing with house money. He's playing well. I'm excited about it. He's at home, right? He has a home now. Like it, I'm, I'm going with Sung. Yeah, I, I like that. I actually did not realize until 
yesterday that Brooks was even in the Tour Championship. I feel like he's just been so quiet. Like he hasn't. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, he pops up here and there, but he just hasn't done a ton. And and I and I like your your theory of of the motivation theory. Now, I will say, there's a lot of money on the table, uh, even outside of first place. Now, and I think I think he cares about that. Like I think he cares about finishing whatever, you know, fourth place and getting 3 million. Well, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I think that is a motivator for him. So that would be the only concern I have with that theory. I round out my betting card with two picks to win. Again, one with strokes. That's Tony Finau plus 750. He's going to start two shots back. He's been completely forgotten uh, by the odds makers. And then Daniel Berger to win without the strokes. He's 28 to one for all the reasons we talked about with Daniel Berger. He has only incentive to go out and make as many birdies and play as well as possible and not even care about what the score says on the leaderboard. Coach, let's go to your betting card. Again, you and I have... <laughs> Was that was that you making that noise? I said, let's do it. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Okay. Uh, um, here we go. I've got six bets uh, that I see. So let me break them up like this. We'll start with your two matchups. The first one is Rory McIlroy. I've heard of him. Plus 120 over John Rahm. And then your best bet is Cam Smith minus 110 over Colin Morikawa. Uh, yeah, these are all without the strokes. Uh, I forgot to put that in there because I wanted, you know, obviously Rory is starting well behind John Rahm. I just think Rom's tired. As I just said, I think he's tired. I think that he's fading towards the end of tournaments. We've seen that now two weeks in a row. I think that continues this week. And Cam Smith is playing great golf. And Colin Morikawa is not. Two straight weeks, Morikawa has looked lost. These are two easy picks for me. They, they if, if there was a cut, I think they would be be over by Friday. You also backed it up with a Cam Smith. Uh, this is a with strokes to win bet, I believe, 25 to 1. He's going to start five back. He's in the fifth position at 500. And I want people at home to notice the difference in number between this and KP's John Rom bet. John, his plus 350 was with the strokes. It's crazy. John Rom is starting four shots back of the lead. He's plus 350. Cam Smith, who shot at 62 <laughs> weeks ago, who had 92 putts in a single event, which was one off the all-time record. He's only five back. He's only one behind John Rahm, and you're getting plus 2,500? What? So I had to play five bucks on, on this. Easy. Yeah, the, the 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 amazing thing, Caesars uh, has both Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm at plus 350. Patrick Cantlay has a four-shot yeah. lead. I know it's John Rahm. I know these shots can go away, but it was a little bit surprising to see. Coach, you round out your card here with three group bets. These are available at Caesars. I do not have the list of golfers in these well, groups. It's, I can all the guys, it's all the guys at that number. So if you just oh perfect okay so Sergio Garcia to win Group C that's him coming out of the even pars Uh, Dustin Johnson to win Group A he's coming out of the three unders and Roy McIlroy to win Group B he's coming out of the two unders that's a great way to do groups yeah yeah I thought I thought so too when I looked at I was like this is fantastic Uh, and uh, to be honest with you the reason I'm on Sergio is because KP's been on Sergio the last couple of weeks and I've been listening to what KP's been saying and last week. Sergio backed it up, played fantastic. I think Dustin's going to have a fantastic week. Saturday and Sunday, they never showed him at all. They showed him like his putt on 18. It's like, well, there's a 66. Oh, there's a 65. What? Okay, I'm paying attention. And I think Rory is just dynamic at Eastlake. He loves his place just like Xander does. Uh, so I took him coming out of uh, the, the two unders as well. 
Love it. Thank you very much, Coach. That is his betting card, which leaves us with you, Mark. Your betting card I have in front of me. Let's start this way. Sung Jae Im, the Atlanta resident, over Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa. That one's going to get you two to one on your money. Yes, uh, Sung Jae obviously played beautifully last week, and um, I caught up with him. I think it might have been last year at Tour Championship. He was out there playing a practice run by himself. And, you know, I asked him what he thought about the course. And in his limited English, he goes, love it. And that was essentially the the descriptor. And the key to Eastlake to me is playing from the fairway. Because Bermuda rough is one thing, but wet Bermuda rough is entirely another. And we have gotten a load of rain over the last 12 to 24 hours. I think it blows on through by later this evening. So Sung JM, the way he's driving it, playing from the fairway, you know, he's he's aggressive with irons in hand. I think he he builds on his career here, which looks like it's steadily improved. Colin, to coach's point, has just not looked very sharp at all. And he looks sort of fatigued and obviously injured. And and Victor Hovland was solid last week, but I just think Sung Jay around here is is a different animal. Three prop bets, Eric Von Royen plus, uh, excuse me, plus 120 to finish inside the top 20. Dustin Johnson, top 10 at even money. And then that man, Rory McIlroy, your best bet to finish inside the top 10 plus 110. And I believe you have told us Rory McIlroy could roll out of bed and finish inside the top 10 at Eastlake. And you have now made that your best bet. Well, I've got to just do this real fast. I'm going to do like you guys normally do, because whenever you're on this podcast, you're looking at computers next, you're giving statistics. Okay. So I'm just waiting for this to load. He has McElroy. T8 first, T7 first, T16 second, T10. That's his goes here around Eastlake. And he the way the golf course sets up for him, it sort of likes a draw shot a little bit. He, he looks like he's com- committed to that a little with the development of the golf swing where he's trying to fade it less and just set up and just blitz that big high draw with a driver. When he gets comfortable around here, a lot of the holes, he can just set it off right center and sort of turn it away from dog legs and into the fairway and then play some offense. And I've seen him at drives down here that have been eye-popping. So I, I believe he continues the form. Um, uh, I expect him to threaten, even though he's that far down the list. So I think a top 10 is a given. Um, Eric Van Roy, and I'll be honest, a fellow South African, dear friend, I faded him last week, but he's just kept up the good play, and he showed a lot of moxie there in the final round to put up 65 to advance. I texted him Sunday night, and he was a brilliant man. The guy was over the moon. So I'm like, why not just keep on going? I mean, ride the horse while you can. So top 20, he's just got to you know do what he's been doing. And DJ is also so solid around here. So, yeah, I like Dustin Johnson. And I just want to say this, because Kyle has sort of been leading the pack here in this betting stuff. So I'm hoping from my one-and-done aspirations that Kyle's top five bet hopefully better comes off because there was that – including strokes thing, Justin Thomas to win at plus 1600. I had to have a go because his record around here has been pretty sound too. Justin Thomas to win 16 to one with the strokes. And then your final bet, John Rahm to win with the strokes plus 350. That's a nod to Rahm and the way he's been playing. He's also been solid around East Lake, but I'm also there. You know, he just, you know, putts go in a lot then putts start missing. And when putts start missing, a golfer starts questioning. And when a golfer starts questioning, then that has a filter through thing through the bag. Now, he's still driving it great. He's still going to get a lot of opportunities. But I'm I'm torn right now. I cannot comment as to how the golf course is going to play. 
because it's going to be completely different to what we've seen over ye recent years. I'm keen to see it tomorrow morning when I get there. So I just can't make an informed sort of a call, but I still think the way he's been playing, he sh he'll probably be in the mix come late Sunday afternoon. All right. Thank you, Mark. Here is a recap of our best bets. I'm going with Xander Shoffley over Dustin Johnson. Greg is going with Rory McIlroy to finish inside the top 10, as well as Mark. Coach is going with uh, Cam Smith over Colin Morikawa. Kyle's taking Justin Thomas to finish inside the top five. And Sia let us know that he is taking Xander at plus 175 over Jordan Spieth and Harris English, which gentlemen leaves us with one final thing to do. One final time this season it is the one and done so let's start where we usually do coach and hopefully this is the last time <laughs> last time for a long time i start with you coach uh you are at 5.3 million dollars there is 3.6 million up top for the winner because we have taken the top 30 payouts from the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Then we've doubled those to make it really worth your while this week. Where are you going for the tour championship? I want to make very, very clear. This will be the last time my name is ever at the bottom of these standings. I can promise you that. Uh, I'll, bet I'll, I'll, I'll bet I'll promise back to No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Maybe dumb. Maybe dumb, but I'm not stupid. Uh, however, I'm motivated because I think this could really start to propel me into 2021, 2022. So I'm taking this very, very seriously. And I would be lying if I told you that my strategy left Dustin Johnson to be used this week. But it did. I'm going DJ. Lock it in. Wow, Dustin Johnson. And uh, we are using the starting stroke. So DJ is going to start at three under par. And he played well last week. Maybe this is just the spark coach needs heading into next season. Uh, Jacob, you have separated from the coach thanks to Mr. DeChambeau. One yeah, million dollars. $1 million last week. And you are at 6.6. .6. You could wiggle your way up to... Actually, you could wiggle your way up here pretty far. You could wiggle your way up to like second if everything went right for you. Uh, if the chips fell in my favor, then I think we could have a great end of the season, even though as Kokrak, the, to point out, <laughs> means nothing. That was going to be a tease for Jason Kokrak, but no, I'm going with uh, Xander Shoffley instead. <laughs> I, I, it would have been perfect narrative street, as he likes to say, would have set me up perfect there for Kokrak, but I, I got to take x-man because he loves this place xander shoffley will begin at two under par and he loves this place which is good enough for jacob kp you're at 8.5 million if we add 3.2 to your total you could get to 11.7 now things are getting interesting that would take the lead depending on what the rest of us did one pick to go who is it well, unfortunately, I'm with Coach. I've got DJ. That's that's all I've got left. So hopefully, hopefully, Coach gets one right for for one time, and I'm right there with him. All right, that'll be Dustin be Johnson. Honor. Be an honor, KP. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be Dustin Johnson for Kyle. Now, Mark, you're sitting at nine point seven million. You are very much in the thick of this, and I believe we already know who your pick is. I believe it is Justin Thomas. It is Justin Thomas. I'll quickly read you the resume around Eastlake Golf Club. First go around 2016, tie for sixth. 2017, second. 2018, tie seventh. 2019, tied third. 2020, tied second. I feel like he's ironing out the putting woes. I feel like the ball striking is always there. 
He he's played, you know, he grew up in the South, played golf in Alabama, just up the road a couple hours. I think he goes to first this year and that lifts me to first, hopefully. Well, he's going to start at four under par. He certainly has some work to do, but he is within reach. Greg has surpassed the $10 million mark. He's at $10,011,974. And Jacob, do we have Greg's pick? He was telling us on Sunday that he only has two golfers left, Bryson and somebody else. Yes, we do have uh, We have Greg's pick. He is going with Rory McIlroy. He hasn't used Rory McIlroy yet? Wow. 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 He okay. Uh, okay. He I could just let this go and just take the win and have him take a zero. Oh. He's he's used Rory. He used him at the PGA championship. Hate well, to see it. Boom. Yeah, you hate to see a zero. I guess I guess, you know, I'll go with Bryson in the meantime. I mean well, he can't go he can't go with Bryson because I'm gonna go with Bryson. There was somebody else that oh, he oh, said right. on Sunday that was much further down the board that he was like, if I have it, to take him, didn't he say he was going to go on a deep dive and do some real investigation? Well, apparently he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he did not. Really, really deep. Real deep. <laughs> I'm reaching wow. out to him now. We'll uh, stand, stand by. All right. Well, while, while we're waiting on that, uh, I mean, he can use Bryson. It's not going to help him make up any ground because Bryson's the only guy I got left and I've had him on the shelf for six or eight weeks, not ready to play him. Uh, he is going to start at seven under par and I'm assuming as long as he stays anywhere near the top there, or I guess really doesn't let Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson pass him. I think I'm in pretty good shape, depending on what Greg comes back with. List those three names and just think about them when you say them, because uh, those names are looming large in the rearview mirror. They really are. Listen, I'm I'm nervous. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not ready for my Arnold Palmer spiked victory lap or anything yet. But I'm uh, I'm okay. I'm feeling comfortable. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what Greg's pick is. Uh, while we're waiting on that, Coach, Coach is taking over the reins of the one and done yeah. next year. And yep. he has he has sent out uh, just a little bit of a of a tease, and and the plan is, coach, is um, I'm just I've read this five minutes before we went hot. Essentially, give an opportunity to split up split up prizes depending on parts of the season. Uh, also, selections have to be sent in directly to Jacob, I believe. So it is uh, you're gonna you're gonna keep to keep us to some strict rules here. Yeah, very, very strict rules. Um, as far as the payouts are concerned, that's all we'll go over right now. Because understand this, that right now the way we do it, you don't get a complete player. And on the PGA Tour, we want to we be able to target the most complete player. And in order to do that, you got to have a first-half payout, which we will have at the Players' Championship. you got to have individual payouts at the four majors for the lowest that week. And then we'll have a year-long payout after the Tour, tour, the tour Championship. So there will be six different opportunities to win money next year and you have to have your pick in by a certain time or you get the lowest ranked player in the field if you don't get your pick in on what happens if we intentionally pick the lowest ranked player in the field like you did with Sep Straka in week three <laughs> there we go <laughs> is that uh is that lowest ranked by OWGR FedEx Cup priority unless because there's 100 and then, and then number two, because this is the number one question you get asked as a one and done commissioner. What do you? What's the format for the tour championship next year? Oh yeah, I, I, I thought the I thought the way we did the points this year was great because you come into the last week and everybody, except for me, has a shot at winning. And so I like how we did the points. I have no issue with the points. I have issue with bragging rights when there's no money on the line. That's what I had an issue with. 
But now, bragging rights, when you actually have to pay somebody, that hurts. That hurts. And it's going to hurt next year when you're all paying this guy. Hey, Commissioner, Mr. Commissioner. Yes. Yes. I move that instead of taking dollars, we use FedEx Cup points so that all of the playoff events then have ramped up um, ramifications so you can get some more volatility. Any seconds? Well, there's no FedEx Cup points for the for the tour championship. So how are you? We can do the two events. We can do the two events like what Mark wants, and then do the last event like what we're doing this week. Now, FedEx, we now FedEx Cup points. You get a hundred more FedEx Cup points for a major than you do for the Barracuda. That's probably not the Barracuda, but the Barracuda Nelson. No, he's he's just saying anything in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't think he is. No, I was saying for the whole year. Oh no 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 never. No. <laughs> that was a good try. We'll we'll try some uh, more motions later. My bucks. Right. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Tour championship. We will be back after each and every round to break it all down. Kyle Porter's computer died. Uh, we don't have Greg's pick, do we, Jacob? No, we don't. He is uh, he is Hello? holding standby. I see him in the document right now. It sounds like Kyle is also yeah, mute. Mute oh, Kyle. There, there we go. Kyle. There we go. Okay. Uh, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron Smith. Okay. Oh, he's nice. Okay. So this is kind of it. So he's got Cam Smith, who's going to start at five under uh, two shots back of Bryson. So him and I are certainly going to be in the mix uh, for the entirety of this, hopefully, unless there's an ejection at some point. So, okay. So Greg is going with Cam Smith for the final one and done of the year. Gentlemen, been a pleasure all season long. Plenty more episodes coming for now. Let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind and in front of the scenes. Kyle Porter's computer is dead. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. That right there is the coach. You can find him at the coach rules and Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.